<clears throat> All right, so we are on chapter 10, right? <laughs> Sometimes I get a little confused with my <laughs> different schedules. But um, anyway, I just love chapter 10. Isn't it like awesome? These like little, almost like mini studies um, that, that John's kind of leading us through here. I, I find them just so um, fun, especially here in this first section with Holy Ghost versus Holy Spirit. So what did you all learn and what insights do you have from, uh, fr from this chapter in, in that aspect there? I, uh, one of the things I got out of it is what we've been getting from our prophet is hear him. Mm -hmm. you know, we're supposed to listen and keep moving forward. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think that that was a really common thing that I heard at the beginning of Hear Him was hear who exactly? Who are we supposed to be hearing, right? And so uh, I really like this chapter in kind of helping delineate that and um, getting us on, on the right track. Um, somebody sent me a message there having a hard time logging in. So I'm going to hop over and, and, and answer that, but any other comments on, on Holy Ghost versus Holy Spirit and, and things you might learn? Um, uh, one question that I, I kind of like to pose with it is, so now that we kind of know the difference, how can we better prepare our families, uh, prepare young kids um, to help them distinguish the, the difference and um, just kind of learn that principle better? Because I feel like it's kind of like a, almost glossed over topic in, in the church as, as a whole. But how do we do a better job at, at um, helping distinguish um, those two entities? Off again. Don't everybody talk at once. <laughs> I don't know, all my kids are grown. I just I guess we can work on the grandkids though. I need to think about it in that regard. If you can get them away from the electronics. Everybody awake out there? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um I think that this principle am I unmuted? Yeah. Um I think this principle kind of started becoming uh, more clear to me when I reflected back on my time learning Spanish, right? So when one English verb is like, it can translate into three different things in Spanish. And so you have to kind of learn the nuances of each one in order to um, use them properly. And so uh, that was a, a really interesting process um, with kind of like a language barrier. <laughs> Um, learning how and when to, to use things and, and pull things apart versus when to use them as, um, as one. So this idea that we are talking about the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, I've always used them kind of as the same thing, right? Like they've, I don't know, you, the prophets just use it interchangeably. You know, that's kind of, somebody must have told me that and I just ran with it. Or who knows what, but uh, I've always conflated them. They're always just one in the same. And then, uh, pulling them apart is, is harder than it, than it seems at first. But then um, once you get it, uh, sometimes it's kind of hard to communicate that to others and um, help them uh, distinguish. 
But I do love that, that John points out that now if we take that and go back to the scriptures, we'll see it everywhere. We'll see when the prophets were using Holy Spirit versus when they were talking about Holy Ghost. And anyway, I found that that was just a really interesting um, misconception or tradition or whatever to, to unpack so that we can eventually come to Zion in, in our own lives, right? Um, last night I went to a meeting and on the way there I picked up a girl and she asked me how do you know the difference when the Satan talks to you and when the Holy Ghost talks to you well I know the difference um, I'm, I'm assuming you all do too but then that begs the question how do we know the difference when it's the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit and what was the other one the, um, like the voice within or like the, the evil voice, right? Um, I guess just the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. Uh -huh. Three. How do you know the difference? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I like on 221, page 221, when it talks about um, kind of the uh, differentiation there that they have like three main points that they're they're different in. Um, did I- Which footnote is that by? Someone has a lot of background noise too, so it makes it hard to hear. Yeah, sorry, it might be mine. <laughs> Got I don't a lot think going so. On um, but yeah, on 221, it is footnotes. I don't see any footnotes on that page. Um, it's towards the beginning of the book. So, um, what heading is it under? It is under Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. Okay. Yeah. I was on that one. Uh -huh, yeah. So, just kind of that, that whole section there. But um, it's like one, two, three, four, kind of like paragraph five through eight ish of that section uh, is another difference between the Holy Ghost. Is that it? I don't uh -huh, know yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another difference there. So that one talks about the, the worthiness requirement. So the Holy Ghost does require worthiness to, to communicate and testify. Uh, it says the Holy Ghost will not testify to unworthy ears. Um, but yet the light of Christ, worthiness isn't required. It's uh, a gift of and through the atonement that it will, it will, uh, reach out to everyone and in in different circumstances it may be offended and may have to come back to us um in a different approach or a different way but the light of christ is always going to be there trying to help us versus the like gift of the holy ghost right where uh, that worthiness requirement so that's the the one main difference between the two um the other one talks about in there is that the holy ghost testifies of the big topics like testifying of Christ and faith and repentance and gospel principles versus the, the Holy Spirit, the, the light of Christ, that is in the more minute details of our lives and uh, helping us make decisions or prompting us to do good kind of thing. Uh, Holy Ghost is kind of like a big voice versus light of Christ is like the still small voice almost. But um, yeah, uh, go for it, Sarah. I forgot to look at the chat too. Oh, that's okay. So I was going to say something, but then I started thinking about, so is the light of Christ the same as your conscience? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So that's what I thought, but I feel like the reason that it can always be there is because it's like, it's like in our DNA, right? So if we are children of our heavenly father, then we all have the light of Christ. And so that's why it's just always there. Now, it, obviously it will come like, it's kind of like, as you draw closer to the light or you do those things that are in line with who we truly are, I feel like it shines brighter, right? Like, so it gets bigger. And so that, that way, when truth is there, that's why people can find the truth, you know, find the Holy Ghost just because it's like, it's finding like this magnet that went boop, like, mm -hmm. yeah. oh, they were together and now they can work. And I love that because sometimes we do offend the Holy Ghost, but the light of Christ will always bring us back like a magnet if we let it to just go boop and then they can continue to work in tandem mm -hmm. to yeah. get us to greater things. But yeah, I love that uh, example there because I mean, they, they really do work in tandem and uh, what I forget where it says on page 225 it is footnote number four um but yeah on 225 right in the middle of the page it says the truths communicated to you by your conscience come from Jesus Christ they are administered by the Holy Ghost and our revelation um and so that's kind of a, an interesting uh pattern there is as sarah was just talking about right where uh the the light of christ brings us back into alignment so that we can be worthy of the holy ghost versus um it's through the holy ghost even that we have access to this light of christ because it comes and is administered by the power of the holy ghost so it's it's interesting how these these two members of the godhead work together in that that revelatory process so is it the Holy Ghost that teaches us? You know, like when the other day when I was reading the scriptures and I had this aha moment, is that the Holy Ghost? Is that the light of Christ? That's well, a good question. I, so it's funny you asked that because I was going to go on and think of, I think about like, think about like the best people, you know, that aren't members of the church, like like all the people that are working with the chosen and people that you've come in contact with that are pastors or people that you just know, like, this is just so amazing. I almost feel like, so they have like this connection, like their spirit has this connection with the light of Christ. That's just shining so bright. And they keep choosing the light of Christ to be in tandem with our spirit. So there's like almost like three, which is kind of cool because if you think about it, like, the God, you know, like the Trinity, the three. And so we've got our, our bodies, our spirits, and then we've got the Holy ghost. But if people are just working with the spirit and our spirit, the light of Christ and our spirit, they still have those amazing experiences and they still have that connection to God. But until we bring the Holy ghost, maybe that's when like the truth. And as I listened to this chapter for like the fourth time, I cannot even believe all the things that just like were opened up to me. And I feel like that is the Holy ghost testifying because it was already there, but until I used the Holy ghost to go with me on this 
journey of reading this chapter, it, it wasn't solidified. Like it was, I didn't understand it to a full extent. It still touched my heart. It still is my, you know, one of my favorite books, but until I took the Holy Ghost with me this time, because I've been trying so hard to, to have it with me all the time, this chapter was so amazing. And so I think that's when we have those like moments that really pierce our souls and hearts and like we have this attachment to the idea that's the Holy ghost. Whereas before it might've just been the light of Christ. Right. So those are my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really like that. Um, so then was it the spirit of Christ that was teaching me and the Holy ghost testifies of the truthfulness? Kind of. I think that that's, it's kind of like this missionary companionship, right? Almost where, where one teaches and the other one testifies. It's kind of like the law of witnesses almost. Um, but I don't know, you know, I'm not like this expert on it or anything. I'm just reading it along with you guys, but, but that's kind of what I was thinking was, um, <laughs> I don't know. I see like spirit of, uh, or Holy ghost and, and Holy spirit as kind of like the Alma Amulek power missionary companionship that are like kind of teaching and testifying of things. One kind of brings you to it and the other one like confirms it almost. If you're gonna participate, you wanna speak loud? <laughs> the Holy Ghost is the testator. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's why I was thinking like, maybe it's the spirit of Christ that teaches and then the Holy Ghost that testifies of that truthfulness. Mm -hmm. And then in our meeting last night, we were talking about, I may have been sharing that. No, I didn't share that scripture last night, but I shared something else. And one of the ladies said, oh, I, I feel goosebumps. Like the spirit's telling me that's true, which in reality then wouldn't be the spirit. It would be the Holy ghost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like right. Of it and confirming it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. And I think well, just kind of posing it out there. Why do you think that this is a paradox that we have to wrestle through? Like, shouldn't this be like basic core <laughs> doctrine that we're, we're taught? Like, why, why is it up until now that I'm finally reading this chapter here and, and finding it in, in this way? I, that was kind of an interesting thing that the first time I listened to this, like, why am I just now getting this? And why does it take John to, to tell me about it? For the same reason that most of it, most people don't believe that you could have see Christ in this life. It's a tradition. It's a, a deceit and a lie of Satan that we've been infiltrated with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, basic, that's the answer, right? Mm -hmm. And then over time, it's a truth that's been forgotten and not passed on. Yeah, exactly. But then first um, time I've read about it. But I was raised in the Catholic Church, and I went to a Catholic school for 10 years. Now, you think that they would explain about this, but they never did. They never touched on the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. It was just Father and Son and Holy Spirit. That was their trinity. Never heard about it. Never explained it. Yeah. It was odd that we got into this, and it delves into it quite deeply. And that's the first time I've heard of it since we joined the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I found it very interesting. And like, okay, 
So now that I know this, what's going to change? Like, how am I going to be able to um, look at things differently and uh, be able to, you know, use and not utilize um, both of these in, in better ways in order to um, grow, right? Um, L uh, copied in the chat here from the Encyclopedia of Mormonism. So I'm just going to read through those. I think that's very interesting. So the Holy Ghost is a sanctifier because no unclean thing can dwell in the divine presence. The whole system of salvation centers on the process of sanctification. People are saved to the extent that they are sanctified. Sanctification and holiness are inseparable. Quote, to be sanctified is to become clean, pure, and spotless, to be free from the blood and sins of the world, to become a new creature of the Holy Ghost, one whose body has been renewed by the rebirth of the Spirit. Sanctification is a state of saintliness, a state attained only by conformity to the laws and ordinances of the gospel, end quote. And then the next paragraph there, the Holy Ghost is a revelator. The prophet Joseph Smith taught that no man can receive the Holy Ghost without receiving revelations. To enjoy the companionship of the Holy Ghost is to enjoy the spirit of revelation. Without revelation, there can be no competent witness of Christ or his gospel. Holy Ghost is the source of all saving knowledge. Um, and then let's see this next one. The Holy Ghost is a teacher. All who will be saved must be tutored by the Holy Ghost. The things of the Spirit can only be understood when taught and learned by the Spirit. The divine commission to teach the truths of salvation rests with the Holy Ghost. Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Quote, he spake not as other men, neither could he be taught, for he needed not that any man should teach him, end quote. The Father gave Jesus Christ the Spirit without measure. Angels also speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Such is the standard for all who go forth in Christ's name. Ye are not sent forth to be taught, the Savior said to the early Latter-day Saints, but to teach the children of men the things which I have put into the hands by the power of my Spirit. And ye are to be taught from on high. Sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be endowed with power, that ye may be given that ye may give even as I have spoken. And then the Holy Ghost is the comforter. A distinct characteristic of the truths of salvation is that they are attended by a spirit of comfort and peace. It is the office of the Holy Ghost to lift burdens, give comfort, strengthen faith, grant consolation, extend hope, and reveal whatever is needed to those having claim on his sacred companionship. Well, now I'm even more confused. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a lot there to to really pull together and um so then it wasn't it wasn't the spirit of christ that was revealing to me and helping me understand that scripture it would have been the holy ghost who then also testified of it mm -hmm. oh as a non-member before i joined the church i was taught that, um, of course, there's a difference between the Holy Ghost and the gift of the Holy Ghost, right? And, of course, the Spirit of Christ. And I wish I could remember where this quote was, but it was that if you listened to the Holy Ghost 
everyone would be brought to Christ. Everyone would what? Be brought to Jesus Christ. And, you know, the conscience is given to every man liberally to know right and wrong. And even if they don't want to know it until they snuff it out, right? And the Holy Ghost, you can certainly have, you just can't have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so I, to me, there are like three different levels, if that makes sense, right? We as Latter-day Saints have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we have privileges because of that. Privileges that sometimes we don't always use, but nonetheless, they're there for us. But as a non-member, you have the spirit always working on you if you're really trying to be a good person. And from time to time, you actually get to feel the Holy Ghost, which is what led me to the church. But I've always, I've never forgotten the fact that if people will be honest to themselves and honest to the experiences they have with the Holy Ghost, they will be led to Jesus Christ and they will be led all the way to what is right and wrong and to this church. So under, thank you for saying that because under the voice of the Holy Spirit heading, it sounds like mostly the Holy Spirit is what whispers to us to do right. And um, inspires us to serve. Under the heading, the purpose of the conscience, he says exactly what, um, uh, is it Stefan just said, the voice of the Holy Spirit has a specific initial goal, which is to bring us to the gospel of Christ and the ordinances of the priesthood. Any person who learns to consist consistently hearken to the voice of their conscience will eventually end up within the embrace of the restored gospel. I was so, gonna share that exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what he was just talking about. Yeah. And it says obedience to the voice of truth will ultimately yield this divinely ordained outcome every time. Every so, time. Yeah. And it's a process. It's a process of one to the other and then to the gift, right? It's kind of like stepping stones in a way is the way I kind of look at it. It doesn't mean that we don't have our conscience anymore because we're, you know, hands laid in our heads and we have the gift. We clearly have that, but the conscience doesn't really testify of the Godhood, right, of deity. That's what the Holy Ghost does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it says that some will complete this journey in the next life. You know, some will complete it in this life and some will complete it in the next life. But, you know, if we keep obeying the voice of the Lord, then that will keep leading us in the right direction, no matter how long it takes us to get there. So, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the greatest blessings that drew me to this church was that we, you know, the missionaries teach that every person being in this life or the next will be able to hear the gospel, but what more important is to understand it, right? And that's what this process is all about. And be it this life or the next, everyone will have that opportunity. And this is the mechanism to make that happen. Yeah. 
It makes you wonder how many that are that actually know about the gospel will be taught in the next life because they don't really understand it. I mean, look at us. We're, you know, I, I feel like we're all, you know, active members and look at us we're still trying to understand it. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to it. A we're just babes it. in the woods, right? Right, exactly. And there's the paradox. We're still trying to understand it. And yet the gospel is supposed to be so simple, right? <laughs> But but doesn't that remind you what Abraham taught us, right? That there's different levels. Yeah. And isn't that great? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just just for sure. So I really love the section on the voice of evil. <laughs> <laughs> yep. that just, I thought that was so cool that, um, you know, just, just thinking that, that his primary goal is to separate us from God, really, that he doesn't care how that happens. He doesn't, you know... He doesn't care if we have an addiction. He doesn't care if we rob a bank. He doesn't really care what we do as long as he can separate us from God and stop us from hearing his voice. And, and that is his primary goal. And as I was reading this section, um, a quote came to mind that I have actually used in several, um, several lessons that I've taught over the years. And I looked it up because I wanted to share it with you guys. <laughs> it's from um, Elder, Elder Ballard a few years ago gave a talk on having the spirit having control over the body. I don't know if you guys remember that talk. And he references a talk that Melvin J. Ballard gave in I think it was 1928. It was a long time ago. And um, this quote is from that talk from Melvin J. Ballard. Uh, like almost a hundred years ago. He says, I should like to say to you, my brethren and sisters, that all the assaults that the enemy of our souls will make to capture us will be through the flesh because it is made up of the unredeemed earth and he has power over the elements of the earth. The approach he makes to us will be through the lusts, the appetites, the ambitions of the flesh, all the help that comes to us from the Lord to aid us in this struggle will come to us through the spirit that dwells within this mortal body. So these two mighty forces are operating upon us through these two channels. And I don't know, it just reminded me of that, that, that everything that Satan does is through our, our bodies um, and through, you know, natural things, things that are influenced by the natural man. And, um, but Everything that the Lord does to help us is through our spirits and through, you know, his voice and hearing his voice. And so it just, that quote just reminded me so much of this chapter. And I just. Uh -huh. Yeah. Do you have like any citation on either one of those, like to look it up and, and pull it? Um, the, yeah, the quote I just read you is from a talk called the struggle for the soul 
struggle first. And it's by Melvin J. Ballard. And I just found it on Gospel Library. Struggle for the Soul. Gotcha. Struggle for the Soul, it's called. Yeah, I love and that one. Isn't it interesting that the DNC tells us that the soul is what? The body and the spirit. Correct. Yep. And C.S. Lewis said, which I I use this all the time, Satan does not care what side or what head of the table you fall off on. Yeah. All he cares is that you fall off. Right. But isn't this the ultimate goal of us in this world to be able to overcome, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? It's to overcome yeah. that. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And I've often thought, how is it going to be in the next world, right? If we don't learn it here, it might take a little bit longer, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, for me, that's, that's this whole battle. This world is what you just said, Cindy. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what it's all about to me. Yep, overcoming that natural man and being able to, you know, really connect to your spirit and connect to the voice of the Lord, which talks to us through our spirits. So, you know, mm -hmm. he doesn't talk to us through our body and through our flesh. He talks to us through our spirits. So. And yeah. look in the world we're in with the Internet, <laughs> yeah. social media. I mean, Satan is absolutely having a heyday. And you can tell that it's coming to the last times because this is his last hurrah. I think that he is even more subtle, like the examples of things that he does. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just speaking for myself. None of these things would entice me away. It's more subtle things like, um, uh, wasting of my time, mm -hmm. um, pacifying me uh, with things that are unimportant, or I, pride is so insidious. There's so many ways to be prideful. And I think that pride is a big one. But to say that, that he only appeals to um, appeals to the flesh that they will seem sensually or sexually enticing, enjoyable or alluring. They will titillate the flesh, inflame the senses, bloat the ego. So maybe bloat the ego is pride, but pride doesn't, isn't always bloating of the ego and urge domination of others. I, I don't know, I guess I can't speak for all of you, but I kind of think that in our group, those are not necessarily the things that lure us away. And then in that other paragraph, they specialize in their work, meaning that certain of them specialize in anger, marital infidelity, family disharmony, murder, drugs, illness, depression, hate, or a million other maladies. I mean, I can see some of those like illness, depression, anger, but some of these are just like really big things. And I think for those of us that are really trying to be on the covenant path, I think that he's even more subtle than that. And, and that becomes even more insidious mm -hmm. uh, and, and difficult to recognize. And I think that maybe that's where 
I'm really bad at remembering. Was it President Nelson? I'm sure there were several that's told us to ask the Lord how we can improve. And, and they even said, ask your spouse. That was one of the counselors, wasn't it? Because they would know, you know, or ask someone close to you where you can improve. And so anyway, but I, yeah, where we lack and what we can improve on. I just, I think that he's a lot more insidious and telling us just that we're not worthy or we're not good enough or heavenly father doesn't know us. He loves everyone, but me, just those kind of things that questioning, um, ourselves or our relationship with heavenly father. I don't know. That's, that's kind of what I see more than those kind of things. Yeah. Well, even, you know, later on in this section, where, when it talks about belief and unbelief, I mean, those comments that you were just making, I'm not good enough, you know, mm -hmm. the moment's not going to work for me. Those are all considered unbelief. Those are, right. you know, and, and what does it say about unbelief? You know, that, that that's a, that's going to condemn us in the last days. That's going to, I mean, woe to those who have unbelief, you know? Okay. So that was my little issue last week that I thought we were going to talk about is, um, I feel like that's kind of a, a topic that is very, I don't know, is it the pair? I don't know if it's the paradox, but when does unbelief and aligning our will with heavenly fathers, do you know what I'm saying? Like there was the talk and I actually thought it was in conference, but it turns out it was given by elder Bednar here in um, Arlington to uh, single adults. I have it pulled up. Um, shrink not was what it was called when he asked us famously, do you have the faith not to be healed? So then do you see what I'm saying? The difference between unbelief and the faith not to be healed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've wrestled with that exact thing throughout uh, any of like uh, Pontius or, or Gileadi or any of that. When because I, I'm such a fan of, of Bednar's talk, right, of this mm -hmm. faith not to be healed, but then that was, it was kind of like this weird paradox of, like, mm -hmm. huh, how do I wrestle with that now, and, like, what do I need to learn and, and, and grow from, but, um, well, yeah. When I think about that, I think, you know, if you have the faith not to be healed, then I don't consider that unbelief, because you still have faith that, whatever happens is the will of heavenly father and you're willing to trust him and you still believe that whatever happens is going to be for the best. I, I feel like unbelief would be that you didn't believe that he could actually help you even if you wanted to or that he would. I guess I just had problems because John was saying things like, oh, well, it was Heavenly Father's will that I wasn't healed. 
um, and that that's unbelief. And so just reconciling that, like knowing, you know what I'm saying? So is that what he says is unbelief? Because I don't know. I, I, I kind of don't put that in the same category as unbelief. Unbelief to me is, like I said, more saying, well, he's, he's not going to do that to me. I, you know, little old me. <laughs> Mm -hmm. why would he why would he heal me he doesn't do that kind of thing anymore you know stuff like that would to me that's that's more unbelief so okay so i'm just gonna bring up a personal experience my husband has chronic back pain and he's done so many things to try to heal that and we're doing another procedure now he's way past getting stem cells and he often just says it's heavenly father's will not for my back not to be healed and for me to be in pain all the time. So <clears throat> do you see what I'm saying? When is it unbelief? And when is it accepting Heavenly Father's will? Yeah. I don't know if anybody else has any insight on that, but when when is it when is it the lack of faith? Do you know what I mean? When yeah. mm -hmm. I'm just... I yeah, I don't see any difference between the having faith to be unhealed and having faith as you go through a trial. To me, they're one and the same. Right. But saying that this is the this is the Lord's will and not having belief. I don't know. Uh -huh. So like this is kind of the context that I was looking at it um, a few weeks ago. I was looking at the whole unbelief paradox in reference to like the the descent and ascents that Isaiah references, right? Where the unbelief as in what I'm going through isn't for my personal gain. Like there's no ascent coming. I'm just supposed to go through this for who knows why. I mean, it's God's will, but I don't understand it kind of a thing versus when we actually have belief, we know that all of these things will turn out for our good and there will be an ascent and, and blessings that flow from it. But we may not understand all of the intricacies, but when we're dealing with actual unbelief, we're kind of in this descent phase that is only going to get deeper and we may not ever come out of it without a, a proper belief system and a knowledge that that God is working for our good. But like in the, the specific case of, of your husband back pain and, and all of that, uh, that, that's such an interesting conundrum, right? Of, okay, well, there's, do I just need to pray harder? Do I, is there something more that's required? Because if there is, I'm just not getting it. And so I think that that's where like this chapter and um, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, knowing and asking um, what, how did president Nelson put it? Um, will you pray to know how to pray? And so, um, uh, getting to that point where, okay, heavenly father, uh, if it's your will, I totally accept it. But if there's something else that I'm supposed to be learning that I'm not getting, please help me know what words I need to use in my prayer to start getting that flow of, of belief and so that I can be healed or whatever lessons might need to be learned from it kind of thing. That's where my like <laughs> wrestling with that paradox was, was kind of leading me. It was like, 
there's still more that I need to get about Isaiah's ladder and the descents and ascents and all of that kind of stuff. But but that's kind of what kind of consoled me at the time is like, oh, I'm, I'm starting to finally kind of get it, even though I need to wrestle with it more kind of thing. Yeah, I, I get that. That that makes it a little more understandable. Um, go ahead, Cindy, and then I'm going to say something else. Didn't didn't it say somewhere in there that that um, belief had something to do with truths and un unbelief had more to do with untruth like things that were that were false um and and when you're in a state of unbelief it's hard to know if you're in a state of untruth or unbelief you know what i mean right mm -hmm. yeah but you know like i said before and and a false something that is false that would be a, not true would be that heavenly father doesn't love me and he doesn't know me and he's not going to help me. So that would be unbelief. You know, if you're connecting to something that's truth, then that would be belief. You know, and that's what I was going to say is when you're in a state of chronic pain, degenerative pain, then it's easy to then yeah. hear those whisperings of Satan, right. And accept them. Yeah true <laughs> it wears you down yeah. all right and so Sarah's uh, raised her hand yeah I I think I ended up going a little too far because I listened to the book but um did we do we have we will we go through mighty prayer or did we um no that's on a future one I believe okay well um spoiler <laughs> i was just gonna say that um something that um maybe that could apply to your husband is that um like he, he goes into detail on an appropriate prayer that that would bring the answers that we're seeking and um and i have done this and i actually i've had some pretty powerful prayers when i when i do it but it's really exhausting, but I was just thinking, you know, he might be experiencing unbelief, but at the same time, um, I think that there's something that is needing to be learned by him and that, that instead of just being like, oh, it's, it's the Lord's will, like he needs to ask the Lord if it's his will and then believe that, okay, this is my lot and this is what my sacrifice or you know, shake off the chains and be like, okay, this is going to only strengthen me. And this is just a, a stepping stone for growth. But I think for maybe something that you could do for him is to encourage him to ask the Lord, like, yeah, yeah. You think that this is what the Lord wants, but have you asked him? Yeah. He says the heavens are closed. Heavenly father's not talking. <laughs> Okay, well, when you get when you get on page two sixty six, the um, mighty prayer, um, like a little bit into it, um, he goes and and gives some bullet points on on. Um, here are a few ideas that may help, and um, I think that I don't. Do you have the book, or are you? Just I'm looking at it. On, where? Let's see. I'm trying to find it. Is that a heading? Yeah, it's um, one of the headings. Yes. The footnote. The heading is on 262. Yeah, well, I'm on page 669 and it's, oh, here it is, prayer. It's so the it's one right after prayer. that. Revelation and prayer? 
one more one more yeah mighty prayer there it is okay yeah and you yes. go a couple a little bit further anyways maybe maybe read that in the morning tonight whatever and then maybe read it to your husband and see if there's something he's not doing that could open the heavens because I, there was one day we were building our house and I was I felt like the windows of heaven were open and I sat in a closet for I think 20 40 minutes I can't remember how long but just when I was like you're not talking to me like I I'm gonna give up and I I I, I I feel bad for even saying that, but I was, I was like, okay. And then I thought, no, I'm just going to stay here for a couple more minutes. And that's when the Lord gave me a little, a little phrase that got me through the rest of the build. And it actually is getting me through the, the other side, because we all know that, you know, that trial, guess what? There's another trial. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. been able, I, that's gotten me through when I feel like something's wrong and that what have I done wrong or what have you I remember okay this phrase comes back to me and so um there is power in just stopping and listening and waiting and waiting for an answer mm-hmm. <sighs> you know I always say that I just have st- I just don't think I'm ever in a, a descent or ascent phase. And I'm realizing I'm actually coming out of a descent phase. An incredibly huge descent phase. But I think my husband's still in it. And um, hmm, it's just kind of interesting time. Yeah. It, it's interesting once you kind of have like a framework of descents and ascents right and kind of going through the isaiah pattern it's like oh i can start recognizing them now because i i too was like i don't know i don't really have any major trials in my life but you know like whatever comes at me yeah i i just deal with it move on kind of thing but um finding patterns and 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 things really help to uh, to recognize them when they're starting when you're in them and then when you're like coming out of them and, and being able to like see that in others and help them through it and, and be compassionate and empathetic and all of that. Um, and, and kind of seeing like the, the proper framework uh, really opened things up for me a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had a discussion kind of like this with my daughter when she was on her mission. And um, we talked about how important it is on the mission to really dig yourself deep in the gospel. And that has to go with being in the military and a loose cannon and how cannons are secured in the ground. If they're done right, every time you fire them, the spades go deeper and secure the cannon even more, right? This hallowed sir. But if you cheat and you don't dig those spades in right, First time you put pressure on that muzzle and pull the lanyard and try to fire a bullet down range, that cannon breaks up out of the ground and it becomes what they call a loose cannon. So that's kind of the discussion I had with my daughter and how important it was. And she got to the point on her mission where I really believe that she was dug deep. And I think that that has a lot to do with our lives. And I don't know how to say this other than as a convert. For some reason, I got dug deep, right? And don't get me wrong, I've had plenty of trials. (laughs) Um, 
but when I go through my trials, I, I don't blame the Lord. Does that make sense? Right. I, I have faith that he's in charge. He is, you know, the person in charge of my life. And that if I would turn everything over to him, he will always make it better than whatever I could do by myself. Right. And for me, it's, it, and I know people have their different struggles and I certainly have mine, but one of the struggles I don't have is, is believing in the church, no matter what happens and, and having that ability. And I'm incredibly blessed for that. But I see other people, especially here in Utah, right and left, who are falling out of the church. And I look at that and I just think, now how deep were they dug into the gospel? What, what really is going on there? Because just because President Nelson said you get a vaccine doesn't mean you should leave the church, right? So, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting as I hear this discussion because uh, I think we all will go through trials. Every one of us will go through the mist on the rod of iron through the, through the tree of life, right? And the question is, how do we stay connected to that rod? How do we, no matter what happens, uh, realize that that rod is for us? And so, I, I don't know. I, for me, it's, it's kind of a different way of looking at it. That's kind of the way I look at it. I'm muted, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what the heck. Um, but yeah, I love that example. I never actually knew where the term loose cannon came from. And that makes a lot of sense. And where that every time that it fires, that it, it digs itself down deeper, like that that definitely can describe like our testimonies. If, it, if it's firmly planted and, and properly secured in, in the beginning, every trial is just going to help solidify the testimony rather than the the looseness that, that we're experiencing in the church right something that i did the beginning of the year that a friend of mine has done for the last couple of years and it's really helped her in her progression was she went to the lord and asked him what were some things that she could prepare for for the year and the first year were some words and phrases and one of them was health. And she ended up having some pretty horrible health that year. But in the same sense, she, I can't remember if it was the same year, but the following year she was healed from an uncurable disease. And um, so I decided to do that this year. I decided to ask the Lord, what were some things that I could um, prepare for, things that I could look forward to? And I, I received some answers, um, some phrases, and even a, um, some, some words and a phrase. And it has left me feeling so, per like, I'm looking forward to something, right? And so I think as saints, we're so, we're looking forward to something. And when we don't see it, when we don't ask him what to look for, we just assume that it's something. And so we're our, we're direct our direction is not guided in the right way and another thought 
that I have been struggling with. And then one of my, one of my, I actually just like self-realization was my unbelief. I was reading in an ether and the, the famous scripture about unbelief and how that we're wicked and that that the reason why we're we're struggling is unbelief and this chapter was spoke to me so strongly because um my mantra for the year is believe believe and as i have there's something he said in this in this um reading was that we need to become like a child and choose to believe and it was so amazing to have that knowledge again because all of the doubts that I have just can go away just by me choosing to to choose belief it was that easy and suddenly the windows of heaven like just opened up in in my like the holy ghost just came upon me and was like oh this is true and this is true you know and all these things that have been I've been hanging up on um like just went away just by me choosing to believe but um something some words really quick were that I would experience change um learning and understanding and I told my friend today I was like I'm already seeing I'm already seeing it fulfilled I I can't wait to see the continuation of these things to look forward to so I would encourage each of you to take some time this week and and kneel down and ask father what are some things that you can look forward to or or there's some things that you need to prepare for or whatever it is um and write them down and and have those things to um encourage you to move forward i love what you said i opened up to mosiah 319 and exactly what you said is what that scripture says that, you know, for the natural man is an enemy to God and has been since the fall of Adam and will be forever unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. Notice it doesn't say Holy Ghost, right? And putteth off the natural man and becometh the saint through the atonement of Christ, or the Lord, uh, the Lord, and becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, etc. So exactly what you said is is you know mosiah really it just points that out perfectly really a great thought thank you oh you're welcome thank you i love that um so these three sections like the the voice of the mind the voice of evil the voice of the holy spirit that's what's really been like guiding my my last week and um just really pondering on uh, not pondering but like taking a better notice of those three when they're speaking right um i I mean like how many times does it take to to learn this lesson but um uh, i find that i'm i'm constantly forgetting and having to remember um but i like cindy i really resonated with with the voice of evil like it just made so much sense like it's just when you have the negativity that um it rarely voices one objection it prefers to rant and so um every time that i i've tried to like notice it write it down and pay attention to that voice when it comes um a a fun little good thought comes and then the ranting starts 
and I didn't notice how much I was ranting and how much of my ranting I falsely attributed to my own mind, not to this voice of evil. And so recognizing it sooner and sooner as it comes up, I'm able to, to cast out quicker and to dispel that and actually incorporate the voice of the spirit and resolve the doubts that the voice of my mind has. Like it says that the voice of the mind is, is typically unsure. It rarely states things in the absolute versus the, the voice of the Holy Spirit um, is going to prompt us to do good and, and do all these things. And so as soon as you recognize kind of the tailspin that, that happens with the voice of evil um, and that ranting, oh, well, you shouldn't do this. A prime example, <laughs> some of you have seen like my stupid video on, on Facebook Live, right? But I was just studying that song and I was like, you know, that would be really fun to like share with a group, but like, should I do it in like, I don't know, group C that's coming up on Wednesday or what? And it was like, well, I should just do it now. And then came the ranting. No, who's going to want to listen to that? That's stupid. Like, <laughs> it's a hymn. It doesn't deal with any of the things that you're talking about. Like, why would you even bring it up to the club? Like, this ranting cycle just started happening. And I was like, get the hints. Like, what the heck? And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to act on it. And so many other thoughts have started from that, that, um, like it says, I think on page 231, but like it always brings joy and peace. Um, anytime, oh yeah, uh, it's on page 233, that happiness always follows that obedience to the voice of the spirit. So as soon as you do it, I mean, sometimes there might be some uncomfortableness or, or whatever, but like that there's always going to be happiness flowing from it. And um, it's just interesting as we are recognizing these things, I think it's important to, to grow that muscle and to be able to recognize it quicker and quicker as it comes up so that we can cast it out quicker and not have to sit with it very long or, or let it fester and grow and, and consume our day. You know, like why waste any precious moment of, of our and God's time in yielding to the voice of evil, even if it is just for a brief moment, get it out of there and so that you can be fully in the spirit uh, that's just <laughs> it it's crazy how long it's taken me to like get this principle but like keep on working at it and keep on remembering to to do this process is is huge yeah cameron the, the thing that i learned reading this and i've read this book before was the uh the voice of the spirit in my experience, and it mentioned it in the book, comes in a command form. It's not, mm. oh, I ought to go see Sister Jones. It's go see Sister Jones. Do this, do that. And I was driving to work a month or so ago, or actually it was just for Christmas. And there's this one school crossing guard that's always on this street. She's been there for years. I see her every day, you know, and the, and the thought just came, give her a thanks. And of course, then you say, well, I don't know, or what should I do? How do I thank her? You know, you ask all those questions, but it was a distinctive command, give her thanks. And so I went and actually got some cash and put a thank you note together and anonymously gave her thanks. But, but I, I've had several experiences like that where that command comes, you know, take the family here. And, 
and it was refreshing to hear it in this book that that's how the spirit speaks it's our mind saying oh, i ought to go do this it would be nice to do that but when the spirit's really directing us it's a command it's a you know command form uh-huh yeah i love that because it, it's so true uh like it says like our, the voice of our own mind is usually unsure it's never like in that that command form kind of thing and so uh, sh- <laughs> in theory it should be really easy to recognize but until we get practiced up in it then it's like oh yeah now i can can recognize those things command form comes right away i love that i also think that um satan will often well he imitates your own voice right so that's a deceit right there. You're, I'm so stupid, or I'm, you know, that I, why would I even think I could do that? Or it's accusatory. Like, why would you even think you're good enough to do that? Or whatever, right? Um, <clears throat> where the spirit will never imitate my own voice. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that in itself is deceitful. Yeah. So... Uh, when, whenever I know that it's like accusatory or in my own voice, then it's not the spirit. The other day I, um, I've been praying that I would, cause I used to have fairly common dreams, but I haven't been having them lately. And so I asked the Lord to, uh, you know, I was just kind of thinking more of like, how, what can I do to, um, increase those or whatever. Anyway, so I, I woke up about 3 a.m. to this horrible dream. And I went to the bathroom and back, well, but lap, laid back down. And I was like, was that from the Lord? Because I've had a few where I've been woken and felt like I needed to write it down. And it was just so terrible. And I was like, Lord, is this a warning? Is this something I need? Like, is there something I need to do with this? And my thoughts drifted off to like, absolutely beating myself up like you're a horrible parent and you can't finish anything like it just went on and on like all of my insecurities all the things I know I struggle with and I was just like like just going on and I finally was like this can't be from the Lord because usually after a dream like it's a really like it's a really beautiful thing where I write it down and I feel good and I go right back to sleep well, I never ended up going back to sleep. It was terrible. I, well, I actually did eventually. And then my whole day was sabotaged because of this stupid dream. But, um, I think that he can even do that in like in our subconscious. And so I think it's really important to ask the Lord to have our dreams, especially for those who do dream and have, um, significant things come from it to ask the Lord to make those sacred and, that if we do have an instance where they're dark and they don't feel like they're from the Lord to even in our dreams, try and like say, no, you can't come here. And um, I love the idea of praying and asking the Lord to make our, our dreams sacred and things that can help prepare us for the, the things that we need to write down that are important. But um, I hate that he can, you know, get into it, but I loved that I was able to determine, oh, these aren't, this isn't from the Lord. And these, this aftermath is showing me that it's not so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In the, uh, in Romans eight, six, actually eight, four, and then eight, six, but it says, 
just like both of you are talking, it says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When peace comes, we know that that's from the good side, right? And not all this confusion. And, and I'm not sure who just posted in the chat, but really good quote. Uh, I guess it was L, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, really good. Yeah, to read that for anyone that's listening afterward, um, this is we have to or change and challenge our mind. It's not easy. The mind is like a many-headed hydra. Often when you attempt to cut off one head, two heads grow back. The same thing happens in other places in life. When we prune a tree or bush, many buds shoot out of that limb, uh, shoot out with limbs that remain. When you attempt to squash negative thinking, the same can occur. The poison, the bondage, Satan, is the chaos of a thousand different voices all trying to talk at once on the mind. Which, yeah, I, I love that quote. Or if it is a quote, if it's from uh, what you're... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually from, I, I had a group on Facebook, which I've archived now, but I felt inspired to do it a couple of years ago. And it was, I just had it titled, God Wants a Powerful People. And it's more about emotional resiliency, kind of like what the church is doing now, but it was a couple of years before they brought that out. And yeah. so it was a lot about our emotions and how our mind thinks. And, you know, because there's a scripture and I'm not as good as... Um, as um who was it that gave all the scriptures Stefan. Yeah, Stefan. but it's something that says uh and i there's a conference talk i think or i just saw it the other day it says take every every thought captive to christ so we're supposed to you know that's why in the sacrament prayers we're always supposed to remember christ because our minds do wander and it allows satan to attack and then we hear all these little voices chipping at us saying that we're not good enough and we're not this and we're not that and and so it's you know that's hard and that's why I really like that quote uh, that says the between what is it Zion and Babylon will be fought between the synapses of our brain because it's really whether we can take our mind captive you know to to Christ and have it changed through Christ no. I love that. There was a um, book written by um, Hank Smith. I cannot, it's like something about the parables. And one of the parables that just really stood out to me was the one of um, removing, oh, I'm going to botch it up really bad, but it's the if your eye has an issue, you take it out and it's in, it's in the Bible. Um, and if your arm offend, you cut it off, you don't just like, you know, scold it. You're like completely removing it. And I thought like the way he goes into it, it talks about like how important it is that whatever that thing is that is offending, you have to completely remove it because otherwise it just comes back. And that's why he wants us to be completely pruned and then focus on like, like a lot of people um, who join the church and have um, friends that are drinking and things like that. Oftentimes they'll go back to that because they don't, they don't cut it all off. And so in order for us to 
like like if there's a thought that is continuing continuing um, to bombard bombard us like what are our surroundings what are the things that we're doing that are causing us to sin and to do those things or to even just have those thoughts right because it's not a sin to have a thought unless we entertain it but I wonder if we were more cautious about and conscious about recognizing what is it that is creating these thoughts like am I sitting down on Pinterest and am I looking at these things and then I'm starting to think about what a horrible person I am because I don't have these things or whatever but I think that oftentimes we can remove or lessen those things not only through prayer but also to recognize what it is that we need to completely remove out of our lives mm-hmm. yeah that reminds me of Israel. In Israel, when there's a bombing, they don't spend three hours or two days mapping out what happened and drawing circles and putting numbers on the, on the road or anything like that. They clean that up literally within minutes if possible. And you just reminded me of that because that's because they don't want people to live in fear and they don't they they erase it as quick as possible and i so thanks for sharing that that's i mean that it's amazing how some governments look at things and you know israel uses that tactic uh just to to get rid of those things that put out in question in your mind in uh, Saudi Arabia, they leave them there forever. They're even, however horrible they are, they just push them off to the side of the road and uh, let the desert rot them. Right. So they don't take anything away. Interesting. That's, that's kind of interesting. Huh. And how two different cultures do uh, separate things. Uh, never heard of either one of those. <laughs> Yeah. I had a, uh, an experience in 2007. I was um, driving alone in a box truck with a car behind me, and I was south of uh, Santa Fe on I-40 going east. I was going to sh- Chicago and uh, had this truck full of furniture and stuff in and uh, overnight there'd been snow and ice on the road and the right-hand lane of I-40 was, was clear and the left-hand lane was white. And uh, there was a vehicle in front of me and I decided, well, I wanted to go a little bit faster. And I started to pull over and I literally heard words saying, you don't need to go any faster. And I moved back over and less than a mile, there were probably 30 cars off the road from solid ice on the road. And we had 30 miles of, of icy road ahead. And if I had stayed in the left-hand lane, I'd probably would have rolled that truck. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only time I've really ever heard, heard it was almost like a voice, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely one of those voices of warning. <laughs> Yeah, I've only had those a, a few times. I mean, it, not always warning, but like actual audible voices on on things. But um, 
I've always kind of wondered why does the spirit act differently? You know, like sometimes why is it like almost audible or why is it um, so quiet and kind of unrecognizable? But I loved this chapter kind of helping me unpack a lot of those things. And I don't know, it just makes sense. And, and I love going back and um, hearing different uh, stories like that and, and comments and like, oh, I can see them in a, a clearer light now. Well, I know I really enjoyed the part that said that we need to really listen to our conscience. So today I thought went really well because I had a thought like, go make this phone call right now. You'll get the person. And I ha haven't been able to reach the person in several tries. And I did. And I was like, okay, I just listened. And then I tried to email somebody and it came back and it said, just call them. So I called them and got them. So I felt like I was listening to my conscience or whatever I was being guided by to do stuff and I just thought you know sometimes it's sometimes we make it so complicated because we listen to the chatter in our head oh well they're busy they're not going to answer the phone or I just don't want to bother them or whatever you know we have all these doubts that we allow to come like you said the rants kind of all these excuses of why not to do something or when we're prompted to do something and so sometimes if you just obey that simple thing, like he said, if we start to obey the conscience, uh, then we can be guided then by the Holy Ghost too. It's the first step toward doing that is to listen and obey whatever it tells us to do. And I thought, well, my day went really smooth today because yeah. of that. So I thought, oh, that was nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, the past couple of days, I've really like Satan's been working on me hard trying to get me to not learn this principle and like I've kind of failed <laughs> but today was almost like that smooth sailing like like you're talking about like had a really good day um right before here I was doing like a a family history thing so our relief society and I'm the family history person and um anyway we're like 20 minutes in and I have this thing like why is my mom not here that's weird. Like she would normally come to this or whatever. And so I'm like, well, maybe I should go check in and see if the door's locked or whatever. And so I, I walk out and literally that exact moment is when she pulls up and the door was locked and she would have just been like stuck out there, would have had to like walk around or do stuff. But like, what a small, simple little thing. Mm -hmm that the, the Lord told me and I just acted on it because I've been really trying to like act really quickly on promptings and never get to the, the ranching stage where I start coming up with excuses. And it was like, that was just a smooth sailing thing. Like it, it just brings uh, one, like a feeling of peace that like, hey, I listened and I, immediate gratification result, right? And then a second one of, I mean, the Lord cares about the minute details of our lives. Like that didn't have to happen, but like it just made life easier for everyone involved and was able to, to do things. But anyway, I, I love how um, you brought that up. Like it just brings uh, an ease or comfort to us just as like kind of secondary witnesses, right? We can have good days. Uh, it's not always because, you know, we have to go through hard times yeah. and trials, but like, yeah, <laughs> like, those things exactly come. but i think the more we listen then we're, the more that god trusts us that will you know and that we obey it that that he'll give us more responsibility because if we listen 
then we're more accountable, you know, to do what he asks us to do. It's when we don't listen, he'll go, well, that person just isn't going to listen. Isn't going to do what I asked them to do. I give them promptings and they don't listen. So I'm not going to do it anymore. So you don't get those. So it's like, if you want them, you got (laughs) to, if you want the guidance, you got to obey them and listen to them. I only want the big ones. Don't send the small ones. I can care less. <laughs> I just want those. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, there's it's a it's a ladder. It's a process. You got to start at the bottom and continue to work up, like we learned. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there's there's 14 of us uh, right now on the on the call, and isn't it great? What a testimony of the Holy Ghost and and the Holy Spirit that each of us are being talked to and being tutored in a way that we can understand it. That is probably different than the other 13 of us, right? Mm -hmm. And I love that because that means to me, this is my funny way of having testimonies of the church. That tells me that Heavenly Father loves us so much that he's willing to talk to me directly. And he's willing to talk to you directly. And that as we listen, we actually get to understand how he talks to us. And to me, that's just a real testimony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I love it. I mean, it's kind of like an extension of testimony medium. Like here's some like real world, world examples that we're all dealing with and, and sharing and just extra witnesses. Well, and it makes up for Sunday school being really hard to <laughs> be in <laughs> once you learn and have some meat it's like oh my gosh I can't I, this is this is rough so every once in a while I'll put in there some kind of you know thought that's kind of deep and people go okay and that was nice and- for the- <laughs> <laughs> yep or those of us that don't get to attend Sunday school and relief society <laughs> are you still not with the like uh, because of shutdown stuff or is your ward just different no i'm in nursery oh (laughs) or that yep (laughs) somebody was just telling me about a ward that was still like full-on shutdown and everything and i was like really still and so i was i don't know no we just our state residency (laughs) just came out and we have to do social distancing every other row we've always had zoom Um, We never discontinued that, but my sister in Virginia, they also got a letter from their stake presidency, same thing, but their ward, they're actually a branch and their chapel is in their cultural hall and they can't social distance. So they actually are back on zoom again. That's just interesting though. And and, and I ran up to lead the music a few weeks ago because the chorister didn't show up. And the pianist did the prelude or the, yeah, the prelude to the hymn and then just stopped. And I looked up, I'm like, oh, so I ran up there and I came and sat down and I said, Kurt, there's only, cause we sit on the front row. I said, there's only about a third of us that are wearing masks. None of the missionaries, like we have like six to eight missionaries in our ward. None of them are wearing masks. Like I was just shocked how few people were wearing masks. Um, But my understanding was the prophet asked us to wear masks. So we've been wearing them. 
and the state presidency came out and said, okay, the prophets asked us to wear masks. You need to be wearing your masks. And they sent out that letter. So, and then also about, we are not allowed to touch the sacrament trays to pass them, that the priesthood, the deacons will do that. Since we're sitting every other row, they can do that. And so anyway, I don't know if anybody else has started getting more letters, but. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. We haven't heard anything either. Most of, I would say only a quarter of our ward wear mask, wears masks. Maybe. I think I've seen a mask in a ward for a year. <laughs> since we opened I was un the understanding that it was when social distancing is not possible that's yeah, what the letter too. said mm. yeah I thought that well when you're, when you're teaching nursery you're not social distancing yeah. and when we're sitting all together on the same pews you're not social distancing but if you can yeah well we weren't I mean I, we don't have that much space uh, we're in the stake center but it's probably the smallest building I've ever met in, except for Panama, when they tore down two thirds of the building to, we only had one hallway to build the temple. Then that was the smallest building, but this one is, it's, they had to build stake offices in the parking lot. It's so small. Oh. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we don't even have a baptismal font. Mm -hmm. And we're the stake. The stake center. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of necessary sometimes. Yeah, we have to go to a different ward in our stake to do baptisms. Hmm. So I guess we don't social distance in the ward. So anyway. Well, um, just pulling up the, the schedule again to since it's changed. Um, so next week is going to be Faith and Belief Through Prayer, which is pages 240 to 259. So it's just the, the second of five parts to chapter 10. So that's what we'll be doing next week is, is that. And I'll post reminders on, um, on the Facebook page as well. But yeah, any last thoughts, questions, or anything before we head out? I really appreciate everyone's comments. Thank you guys. This was a really good meeting. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, me too. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. We'll see everyone next week. All right. Goodbye. Good night. Good night.